0: Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth, with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaine.
1: A very warm welcome to Aetherius Radio Live. Listeners brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio on every third Tuesday of the month. Discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. Today, your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, will be delving deep into Now wait for this, the study of service leads to Kundalini heaven, part one. So without further ado, I hand you over to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki.
0: Thank you, Nikki. And welcome, Chrissy.
2: Oh, welcome, Richard, and welcome to all the listeners here. I know this is going to be an exceptional show, Richard. Uh, How could it be anything but an exceptional show with the title, Service Leads to Kundalini Heaven?
0: (laughs) Yes, and I I think, you know, before we even start, we've got to sort of say that um, we're not really in some ways equipped for such a a topic as this, in that uh, neither Chrissy nor I, it won't surprise our listeners, I don't think have mastered the rise of Kundalini at all. Um, and we we are sort of learning, uh, but we're drawing on the knowledge, of course, as we always do of Dr. King and the teachings of the Aetherius Society.
2: Exactly. I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that, Richard. I have to begin at the beginning here by asking you about Kundalini. And I think most of our regular listeners know what it is, but it's not mm. really a word that's in our popular culture. In the same way, um, for example, as yoga or the chakras, And, you know, you can find Mm -hmm. hundreds of books on the chakras, Um, but very rarely do we hear very much about kundalini, although the two are obviously connected, except kundalini yoga, which has become popular over the past few years. So perhaps, Richard, we can start, well, I'll start by asking you if you can explain what is kundalini and why it's so important.
0: It's thanks chrissy yeah it's really really important to all of us and it's very important in the Ethereum society and it's something that dr king himself practiced uh and mastered and stressed over and over. in fact he went so far as to say on more than one occasion we're only on earth for one reason and that is the mastery and control of this force of kundalini so what is it it's a it's a female force it's a creative force is depicted as a fire the fire of kundalini there is definitely a a connection with the mother earth and many of the tantrics and those who practice kundalini uh, yoga worshiped the goddess principle Um, and so there's definitely that connection I think probably is a lot more than we know right there Um, and it's depicted as a three and a half coiled serpent hence it's sometimes called the serpent power and that's because uh, when we do have control over it 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 rises from the base of the spine through the centers and of course there are seven centers so uh, it's coiled so three and a half uh, coils would be, you know, the two coils um, per rise. Um, you, you can see that if it's half coil, rather, per rise, uh, then you end up with your three and a half coils and you activate all seven of the centers. So it's, um, it's a very mystical thing indeed. It's a very exotic, ethereal, sublime, elevated, magical, transformative, potent form of energy within our being. Uh, And it should be always treated with reverence and great care. Um, We don't teach and we don't recommend Kundalini Yoga at all. And Some listeners probably may wonder about that. Why then don't we recommend Kundalini Yoga? And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, I'd say this. Most people who teach Kundalini Yoga from what I can tell are not really teaching it properly. They don't really understand what it is. They just use the word and, in fact, teach a few sort of mindfulness or um, postures for health or something under that name. So they're not teaching kundalini yoga at all, in which case it's safe. But if they did, I mean, it won't really work, but it's safe. Um, if they did teach it, though, it can, can be very dangerous. And we don't recommend it. And I think this is something, particularly now for our staff, our members of the Aether Society, our close sympathizers, to bear in mind very much, that Dr. King himself did practice it, but was in a completely different position. I mean, my own humble opinion is that this is not something that is really a natural practice. Uh, it's forcing uh, this energy and force in most cases, isn't a good way to proceed. Um, in the case of Dr. King, though, of course, he was in an unnatural situation. We've talked about that many times on Ethereus Radio Live. He was an avatar. He, was in a, he had no karma other than the karma he took on himself for us. He had no what the Eastern uh, religion or Eastern beliefs were called samskaras from previous births. So therefore, you know, he was in a very different position. He had a mission to perform, and he did it. He had the, uh, you know, phenomenal bravery and total commitment and dedication and focus to do it, and he did it. But it's not something we would recommend anyone to attempt, not that kind of kundalini yoga. We recommend, as we're going to say, an unforced natural rise, and so Now, in the new age, when we do it, and and we do it more than we realize, by the way, I mean Kundalini operates all the time within us, we couldn't really do anything if it didn't, Uh, but we're not kind of consciously aware of it most of the time, Uh, there'll come a stage when we are, and when that happens, following the path that we teach and recommend, it will be a natural, unforced rise, which is not something that even Dr. King did himself. So the first person who through this path attains, genuinely attains samadhi, will be a complete first.
2: Right. So there's a wonderful promise given to us in these days. Uh, We have this tremendous power within us, all of us, as you mentioned. Yeah. But for most of us, it's like it seems so far above us to think about Uh, contacting consciously and controlling this power but a wonderful promise has been given in these days which we're going to talk about today and uh, Richard shall I begin by reading the first extract about that
0: yes please do
2: and this one is from uh, this extract transmission extract is from the third freedom of the nine freedoms delivered through dr. King by the karmic Lord Mars sector six on February the 2nd 1961 And he gave us this incredible promise. Serve, and the mighty power of Kundalini will rise in natural, unforced fashion and open the chakra jewels in your higher bodies. In will pour inspiration, and you will be standing on the verge of the initiation into a debt ship. Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
2: I was going to say... uh, This is a wonderful promise because we know through learning about our master and other masters too that to raise this power is extremely difficult, requiring years of discipline, training, uh, and even pain and suffering. But now suddenly, it seems, in 1961, well, doable for us all, even though the word serve, of course, can what does in the way that it's mentioned, I believe, bring years of discipline and hard work and even a time of pain and suffering, but still now we are told by a Lord of Karma that the Kundalini through service will rise in natural unforced fashion. So we're standing on the verge of adeptship. So Richard, can you explain why we should be excited about this? What is adeptship and why we wish to attain this state?
0: Yes, I mean this is what we are on earth to do as individuals and of course there's something to remember as well that our outer life is a reflection of our inner life and you can see that in people and I've personally seen it many times. Uh, it's true of all of us. So. The, the greater um, levels of spiritual development that we attain within ourselves, the, the greater service we will reflect, providing we do it for the right motive, uh, in, in our outer life as well. And it works both ways. But to answer your question, adeptship is, um, well, defined by Dr. King in the Nine Freedoms as the raising of the kundalini in its entirety to at least the throat center. And I think all our listeners I think are familiar with the chakras, but I'll just run through them. The base center, the Christ sorry, the base center, the sex centre, the solar plexus center, the heart center, the throat center, the Christ centre, and the crown centre. Um, so that's a depth chip. And then when you go above that, Dr. King says, if you when you raise it in its entirety, I want to stress that entirety, to the Christ centre or third eye. That's when an individual becomes a master. When we raise it in its entirety to the crown centre, by the way, we attain cosmic consciousness. And when we master cosmic consciousness, uh, and uh, we will have learnt the lessons of life uh, over a period of lives, and I'm going to come back to this matter of past lives in a moment because it's very important to this. Then uh, we we will eventually ascend. And we've talked about Ascension before. I mean, it's making it all seem, at least, uh, very accessible, if that's the right word. Now, there are some caveats here. I mean, it's great news. It's exciting news. It's telling us, no, there isn't some sort of mystery something that we haven't done that we really need to be doing to get this. It can be achieved through service, and that's where these words are important, standing on the verge of the initiation into adeptship. And it, it's interesting, because Mars Sector 6 is so precise, and I've realized that more and more, studying him, particularly the nine freedoms, very regularly uh, for a number of months and years, He's extremely precise. So it takes us to the verge of the initiation into adeptship. That's a very deliberate word, I think, that verge. And that means there, are, there is something we'll have to do because one of the factors I was going to mention at the beginning, Chrissy, is this question of time. You know, uh, if we're serving all the time or devoting our life in service all the time, have we got the time... To, and this could, this could easily be an excuse, of course, but have we got the time to enter a um, adeptship, to attain a adeptship? And I think that's why the word verge is so important because it can take us all that way, the verge being what it suggests, just almost there, but there'll still then be something we have to do. Now, the thing that we have to do is not a sort of mysterious thing. It's, it is spend the time to actually raise the kundalini and manifest this adeptship. And how long that takes us is unknown. But the suggestion, by using the word verge, it's not a a tremendous long thing at that point. You're nearly there.
2: Well, thank you. And and of course, once we get to the verge, then the next part, uh, presumably, we'd have to uh, work very hard in our spiritual practices uh, to go beyond that. Would you agree, Richard? Um, well,
0: yes, I would. I mean, we 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 don't sort of wait for that to do our spiritual practice. We're doing them all the while, of course. Right. Right. Um, But I I don't think we should sort of, we we should be encouraged, I think, by this. And I speak as an ignoramus. I speak as someone who hasn't done it. (laughs) So it's, you know, (laughs) please take that on board. But I don't think it means, okay, you're on the verge and then you've got, you know, lives to go. I, I don't think that at all. I think it means there's just certain steps you still have to take, which you would know. At that point, you'd know exactly what those steps are. And I would believe they're all, they're all given to us Uh, i i would believe that there's no mystery practice or exercise that we don't have if there was you'd have easy access to it let's put it that way Um, i think that for example the kundalini yoga breathing exercises contained in uh, realize your inner potential uh would certainly be something that would enable you at that point to control this rise of kundalini uh, it, with the abilities, which you would have by then, anyway. So I, I don't think we need to be sort of put off by that or say, oh, well, we didn't make it, we're only on the verge. I don't, otherwise, he wouldn't use that word. It, all right. it's saying, it's just a very precise word, is that there are things that you, you do have to do, and they would be certain practices. And you'd be doing practices anyway, because you wouldn't be giving very good service if you weren't. So, and you wouldn't maintain the path of service if you weren't. And I think we've all seen that, people who stop going in, inwards, you know, as Master Theorists once said, never forget to go inwards, go onwards, go outwards, but never forget to go inwards and um, so you'd be doing practices and the practices would be there it's just a question of doing it you know, you you could take it quite literally if you're in the middle of doing some quite functional task your consciousness is not at that level where you can enter the initiation of ascension it's as simple as that you've got to be in the right place and just, you know, have the focus to do it and I wouldn't read a lot more into it I mean, other than Whatever practices were necessary at that point to attain it over whatever period of time was necessary. I'm sorry to be vague, because I think it's deliberately vague, because everyone's different. But I do think you're on the verge. I do think it must mean it's there. It's just there, and you'll know what to do, and you have to do it.
2: Of course, there are many people in the world, Richard, who serve in many, many different ways. And they're very, Absolutely. very dedicated to their service. they know nothing mm-hmm. about Kundalini, many of them probably, or adeptship. No, They serve because no. you know, they really want to help others, which is fantastic. So do you believe, yeah. Richard, that in this case, they can reach these high states, and reach this verge of adeptship, and gain the great inspiration? Um, even though they're unaware of, of it in the
0: same way. Well, absolutely. I think it's a key point and one we can forget in the Ethereum side because we're so well taught by Dr. King. And we have a master who mastered cosmic consciousness, which is extremely rare. And I, you know, I've made a study of of masters and adepts and as far as you can and tantric uh, teachers of kundalini and so on and it is extremely rare to have a, uh, such an accomplished master as we have in the ethereal society who really got it down and and spelt it out and we can forget of course there are people i mean if you followed say zen buddhism or if you followed some of the yoga paths, such as the aphorisms of Patanjali, let's take the sutras of Patanjali, which is regarded as the Bible of Raja Yoga, followed by Sivananda, Vivekananda, all of them. Um, That that great work, which takes you to Samadhi, makes no mention whatsoever of Kundalini. I don't think it mentions the chakras even. I could be wrong, I don't think so. And so the point I'm making there is you can enter these states without knowing about Kundalini. Um, our good friend Alan Mosley, uh, actually uh, some will know and many won't, but he was a bishop in the etherealist churches and he's, uh, for all I can know, he, he, I'm sure he still is on the other realms though because he's passed onwards now. Uh, but he was a, a great studier of, of, of the yogas and asked Dr. King that very question. You know, what of people who don't know about kundalini and don't understand about the pranas and the nadis and the seventy two thousand nadis and the Chakras who enter Samadhi. And Dr. King said explained to him said, Well, you know, they he didn't say they wouldn't enter it, but he said that it would be less of a a complete experience, as we say. They'd have less technical mm-hmm. understanding of it, so they'd miss something. And some of the old writings, people like Sir John Woodruff in his Serpent Power, uh, says that you know, the Kundalini Yogi uh, has a, a greater experience. And I think actually Dr. King has said somewhere that cosmic consciousness could be greater than Nirvana. It depends what you right. mean by these words, of course. I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking about heaven here. Kundalini heaven just a phrase we're using for this show. Heaven is a state, it's not a place. So I, I would, it's possible, I'm just going to throw a name out here, that the Christian uh, reformer, Erasmus, who was said to have ecstatic states, um, uh, and he sort of trod a very narrow line between Catholicism and Protestantism, um it's, it's quite possible that somebody like that entered a Somadic state.' I'm not, I, I don't know that, by the way, but it wouldn't surprise me, but would know nothing of Kundalini. I mean, if you you can look at the poet Wordsworth, I would say there's one poem of his, which we might mention later, where it's definitely a Somadic state. And so you have um, you know people who never heard of Kundalini still raising it. This is my point. If you know about it, that's to your advantage. And of course, I do believe there'll come a stage where even such a person, before they went beyond nirvana or beyond, certainly before they ascended, I would say they would have to at least come back in a life. These are my opinions, but they'd have to come back and learn Uh, about kundalini and master kundalini even if in that particular life they were hardly known of at all uh, but they just came back to do that it would have to come at some point but to your question yeah of course people can have and are having and at a much lower level than, than samadhi elevated states brought on by a rise of kundalini possibly say to the heart center or possibly partially to the heart center Possibly activating, partially activating the the solar plexus center and bringing on major psychic abilities, for example, uh, who don't know anything about Kundalini. I mean, I often say when I'm I'm talking about mediumship, I don't know of any medium. I don't know of one medium other than Dr. King who has described the state they enter as being caused by Kundalini. I mean, there may well be some. I'm certainly not saying there aren't but all the sort of famous mediums that I've come across don't refer to Kundalini. They they, they describe it in a different way. Uh, but Dr. King did it, I mean, he took it again to the nth degree, and he did it by deliberately raising the Kundalini to a particular psychic center, because he'd mastered it to that level.
2: It makes you realize, I mean, we know how fortunate we are in the ethereal society, but even more so when you think about this aspect too, um, how fortunate we are because we have the ability to give powerful, powerful service through the society and we also yeah. have been given the spiritual practices we need. And you mentioned uh, the book Realize Your a Potential, Richard, written by Amastra and yourself, which is the brilliant textbook of, of practices which we can all and should, I think, use alongside our service because it contains virtually all all that you might need, kundalini, pranayama, I think so. mantras, visualization, prayers, to, to set you on the right path, even for the higher states beyond being on the verge, I believe. But, um, you know, so we're very, very fortunate. And that brings me to another extract, Richard, about, uh, we've quoted it before, actually, on the Sirius Radio Live, by the Master Sirius. Mm. And that was in the uh, show that we gave about the five temples, the two shows uh, on the five temples of God. And this transmission was delivered on August the 26th, 1967 through our master. And uh, the master of Assyria said, excuse me, from this you can see that we have chosen the Assyria society for a great task, a task beyond that which we will give to any other organization upon terror. Whether this task succeeds or fails is up to you. If it does fail, then you fail mankind and your karmic gods. If it does succeed, then quickly, ladies and gentlemen, not easily, but quickly, will you be able to don the crowns of a debt ship, and even more resplendent crowns than that. Would you like to comment on that, Richard?
0: It's an outstanding statement, isn't it? And as you rightly say, we've yes. gone into, we spent some time going into the task of the Ethereum society, into the future. And this statement that easily, not, sorry, not easily, but quickly, will you be able to don the crowns of, of adeptship is revolutionary, actually, because it was believed um, and could be true in certain cases, outside of the Ethereum Society, for all I know, that service is a a slow path. So not only is the Master Ethereist there saying that yes, you you can raise the Kundalini by serving, he's saying you can get to a depth ship quickly if you devote yourself to the task of the Ethereum society. And we are Aetherius Radio Live, so we're, that's our main focus. It, it, you know, and this is a thing, there's a couple of things I think we, sh- we need to say. First of all, because, as I mentioned, unlike Dr. King, we are terrestrial people with past lives, with karma, with samskaras, or thoughts patterns, you might call them, which are in our aura and go back habitually through the lives. Uh, we have a big change to make, and it has been stated that you'd need to devote your life in service for many lives before you could enter cosmic consciousness so we have to put that caveat on all all of this cosmic consciousness being even, even above a debt chip by the way but that's the ultimate state that's Nirvana or even beyond Nirvana and so It will depend what any one of us has done through the past lives as to whether or not we can attain that in this particular life or or in the next life or in three lives or or what have you. What we are being told here by the mastery theorists that if we dedicate ourselves, and and, and this doesn't mean just do a bit of this and that, uh, you know, those who really worked, devote their lives to making the task of the Aetherius Society successful, Um, those people, whoever they are, it will be a fast path, not a slow one. Not a slow one, and that's revolutionally because karma yoga was always called a slow path. Up to now. I mean, one thing, and we're going to break this down more in part two, that's changed everything, is the satellite number three and the orbits of satellite number three. And the fact that they potentize our actions 3,000 times. I mean, there is speeding things up massively. Now, I'm not going to say that people who aren't helping the Ethereum Society, by the way, can't advance as well. But it will come down to the nature of the service anybody gives. I mean, if somebody um, knows about a great cause, whatever that cause may be, the ethereal is one of the great causes of our world, there are others. If somebody knows, but they choose not to follow that great cause, instead they give a service of a kind they actually enjoy more or find easier to give, that's not really serving I believe in the way that is being spelt out here I believe what's being talked about is giving the most potent service that you can give that's available to you that you can contribute to that if we do that and I do believe in as far as I'm concerned anyway and I know Chrissie feels the same it's working for the Ethereum society but you know there are many many ways to serve but if you follow the path of service that is the greatest way for you to serve it's a quick path it's a quick path to adeptship and it will depend on past lives to a degree but there's a suggestion here you could even possibly this is me speaking I'm speculating speed it up it's a very very uh, positive um, promise by the Master Aetherius there, Chrissy, in that extract you read.
2: It really is. Um, I was thinking that there are so many benefits of being a member of the Aetherius Society. I don't know why the whole half the world isn't, because in, in the previous show, I know you and Brian uh, talked about many of those benefits, but I was thinking that this is one that you've just mentioned, we just talked about, that we don't really talk about, because would you agree that anyone... You know, obviously, they have to serve in the way that you've talked about, but still, to become a member, they have this opportunity to join this turbocharged karmic path, as you call it, to take mm. in these days. So this is a fantastic opportunity for anyone who becomes a member. Would you agree?
0: I would, and it's a very advanced path, and it's a very potent path. And in fact, I should stress, it's not only a adeptship, as if that wasn't enough, um, the master theorist is promising quotes even more resplendent crowns than that yeah. uh, on, from this path alone, and that that that's got to surely be uh, samadhi, mastery, cosmic consciousness. Those are the more resplendent crowns, even than adeptship.
2: So just to uh, get these terms correct for for the listeners, because. I think some of them, it's a question of semantics, right? So you have heaven, there is, yeah. nirvana, samadhi, are, are probably the same, uh, would you say, similar terms?
0: Well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, people use, I think we all use words differently, and even Dr. King sometimes changes how he uses words sometimes. So, it, as you rightly say, it's not a matter of semantics. But um, as I understand it, uh, well, the one definition in the Nine Freedoms, anyway, is given by Dr. King and he was in his absolute prime when he wrote the commentary for the Nine Freedoms and uh, had tremendous hopes, I think, for humanity and certainly the people around him and thought, from all I can tell, that people could do and would do what he did. And um, I think in some ways, we've got to be honest about this, he was disappointed uh, uh, later on. And then he realized that most people don't do what he did or with the fervor that he did it and have their own uh, things to work through or think they do or think we do. Um, So um, certainly I I would say to answer your question that um, Nirvana uh, is a state that people have talked about written about which could be entered by by people who've never heard of Kundalini and it's talked about by teachers who don't refer at all to Kundalini um, but cosmic consciousness which might be Nirvana or might be even more than Nirvana um, would then I mean As you know, Yogananda described uh, cosmic consciousness. It is used very variously. It would be impossible for me to be... I don't want to be dogmatic here. Some people's idea of cosmic consciousness is much lower than others, frankly. And some people's idea of cosmic consciousness is patently ridiculous and i've seen it not too long ago on the internet being pushed as though anyone can go out and get it and we're not saying that in this show but we're saying anyone can get it through the lives and the good news is you can do it through this path there's nothing else there isn't some other mystery thing or you've got to come back in another life and be in a in the himalayas or something to do it no and and we're going to you know in the next part Explain how how that happens, why it has to happen, because it, it, it this is also a technical, almost mechanical thing that must take place. But if we go too far here, Chrissy, we're going to be in serious trouble with our producer because it's, we're halfway through the show.
2: I know. So thank you, Richard. Back over to Nikki.
1: Well, I mean, I'm very happy listening to you too. My goodness, some amazing thoughts to reflect upon. Thank you so very much, Richard and Chrissy. You are listening to a Serious radio live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, delving deep into the study of service, Leads to Kundalini Heaven, Part 1. Uh, I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear that two pilgrimages are being held this month as follows Saturday August 27th to Mount Baldy in Southern California USA on Sunday August 28th Carnage Llewellyn in North Wales UK now this is a special event pilgrimage for adept number one. Karned Horelin is a holy mountain of special significance to us in the Assyria society, the main reason being that it was charged by adept number one himself. So if you're anywhere near one of these two beautiful mountains, then please do join us. Full details of both pilgrimages are on aetherius.org. Once more, we are going to be graced by the presence at 12 midnight GMT, September the 3rd, by the presence of that shining temple of light, this giant spacecraft known as Satellite Number 3, as it enters orbit of this world for the third spiritual push until October the 9th. The service of the first hour is a very special one, and it will be live streamed from the Aetherius Temple in London and conducted by Richard Lawrence, which you are warmly invited to join in with. Remember, during this period, all spiritual actions performed with a selfless motive are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. And also, please remember, feel free to join us in the regular daily services, especially during this period, which are held. Uh, sending out much-needed spiritual energy. Again, details on theetherius.org. Well, on September the 20th, in the next Aetherius Radio Live show, Richard and Chrissy will continue their in-depth study of service leads to Kundalini Heaven Part 2. Wow, I'm really looking forward to that as well. So that's it for now, and I'm very pleased to hand you back to your hosts, Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki.
0: Thank you, Nikki. Chrissy, could we look at perhaps some of the benefits, um, you know, of of even even benefits below the adeptship stage of starting to activate this force through service and love.
2: Absolutely, I think that's very important for us all to hear. I think
0: it, yeah, I think it might be helpful for people, and we we did a kind of a list here. So, um, should we go through that? That sounds good, yeah. Thank you. Okay. So, I mean, number one on the list here, we've got the person who's more enlightened, because enlightenment is starting to dawn before the adeptship stage. And an enlightened person um, is someone who doesn't rely on belief or faith, but he will have both belief and faith, by the way, because they, he knows, or she knows, the spiritual service works in all its aspects so you know sometimes for example in prayer some people just is a leap of faith for them they don't really know they don't quite understand it if they're lucky enough to be in the Ethereum society they've had a brilliant explanation given them to by dr king and they're starting to feel the power flowing and they can start to see some of the results through healing and so on which increases their faith but when a person becomes more enlightened, they'll know it at a deeper level. They'll start to understand and realize it, shall we say. So that's, that is very good in reinforcing our own service, actually, if, because we have that confidence in what we're doing.
2: Yeah, it, it, it is, it's not a dogmatic knowing, obviously. It's a realization, as you say. And sometimes... Yeah. You know, it's almost pointless to argue with someone who has no belief in the, the kind of topics that we might be talking about because you kind of know it's true uh, and you do your best to explain it to them but it's it's hard to sometimes difficult to to um, to do that you know to yeah to really um, actually it's,
0: indeed and you know I'm always reminded of that quote by the mastery theorists which I don't have in front of me but it's in you are responsible and it's something like this um you know leave the uh mathematicians i think to their three-dimensional for all the materialists or one, one of the two to their three-dimensional formulas uh, you have your um i've got to get this right six dimensional belief i think and your nine dimensional faith and the 25 dimensional power will work out
1: yeah.
0: and uh, that sounds you know something to really meditate on Interestingly, actually, I came at the other actually when reading *The Serpent Power* by Sir John Woodruff, I noticed a reference to there being twenty-five tattvas. It's a Samkhya uh, philosophy. It's an ancient classical Indian belief that there are twenty-five tattvas. A tattvas being all the elements of life. They're linked to the pranas, the five major and the five minor pranas, but they're all the elements of life. And in, so you could say. That's the dimension. That's not the same use of the word dimension as the seven dimensions of creation. Entirely different thing. But it could be interestingly related to that.
2: Do you think it's like a frequency of energy perhaps that affects...
0: But, in, yeah, something the, like that. Like your, I'm no yeah. expert on, on, on tatvas particularly, but they and, and of course the book Nature's Finer Forces by Rama Prasad is all about them but they they take them in some schools all the way up to the highest things such as high consciousness even soul consciousness and even spirit I think um, at their very highest and they go all the way down to the most basic of faculties uh, so they are you might say frequencies and so that it, it looks as though if, if belief is six-dimensional it's drawing on more of these powers Faith right. nine-dimensional drawing on more of them getting perhaps higher up the gamut as it were and then the 25 would be totality that's how I read that anyway. It's always kind of been a curiosity to me, that quote by the Master theorist, which, as I say, is in You Are Responsible, that book, wonderful book. Moving on down our list, uh, the, the enlightened person, as a person who, whether they know it or not, is activating Kundalini and therefore awakening their higher chakras more, if not in their entirety, but more, they're, they're capable of a much higher inspiration. Uh, they'll have better judgment, in making decisions because they'll be able to draw on higher intuitive forces they'll have a better sense of timing so I'm trying to here illustrate your useful practical things as well as an arcane belief in a state of cosmic consciousness which is coming to us all down the road but these are things we can start to apply now by starting to activate these forces and activating them through service because service draws energy to us and that energy starts to pressurize the Kundalini to rise. It's it's a very simple concept, uh, but it's a wonderful thing to know. It's a beautiful thing, this. So our our sense of timing can be better. We'll know. That can be very important, don't you think so, Chrissy, a sense of timing.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm particularly interested in this as an astrologer because... Astrology, as you know, can help us to find the right time to perform a, a certain mm. action, a magical act, or any important event. But the inspired person gets to a point where astrology is unnecessary. They just feel yep. the correct time to do something. And our master, of course, had this amazing sense of timing. But I'd just like, uh, like to go back to what you're saying about the uh, uh, inspiration and then able to make better judgments. Because the two things, yep. is interesting one can understand, I think, an enlightened person being more inspired, better judgment. Yeah. So interesting, I think, because you're saying that it strengthens the mental faculties too, the powers of discrimination, of, of logic, of mental acuity yeah. uh, and so on. So that's really important too. That I Really important because,
0: yeah, I think we know, what I'm trying to focus here is to see this as a practical reality as opposed to a theoretical thing, oh, I, I, I tapped into my uh, you know, heart chakra yeah. today, which is okay, right. but you know, right. what, so what does that do? You know? And what it will do, one of the things it could do, is start to awaken uh, and make much more reliable our sense of intuition. And this is a great guide in, in making judgments and decisions, which we all have to do, especially if they are related in, to our service which is what we're focused on now. So they, are, they work together. Uh, development and service are, are, are very... I think there is a quote somewhere, actually, where Dr. King said that the lower levels of samadhi are very useful in service, of course. And oh, really? he ref- mm. talked about them Yeah, as the lower levels of samadhi. I only came across that quite recently. Um, of course, if you were in a higher level of samadhi, you would be immobile. And I, He was a very practical person, as you know, Dr. King. So he was very realistic about that. But, of course, once you came out of that deep level of samadhi, your service would be, I don't know, I'm going to throw out a figure, but I might be wrong, thousands of times greater than it was before uh, because of the, the, the knowledge you would have. I mean, you'd have greater conviction uh, even below the samadhi level. But when you're starting to become enlightened and, and certainty... When you're uttering truth, rather than wondering about it, you start to know it, you would start to feel it. And that'll bring confidence, not just to you, but to others too, even if they're not consciously aware of it. You, you'll, there's a ring of truth, isn't there, they say, and you, yeah. you carry that ring of truth.
2: I think that's and, such an important point, yeah. that you have the ability then to inspire others and to bring about positive changes in other people to help them sort of overcome their fears and their doubts that hold them back. So here I think we mm. have Richard, a true, would you agree, a true spiritual teacher, a person who doesn't just pass on information, but has experienced yeah. themselves the higher states of consciousness and is able exactly. uh, sort of even unconsciously to pass on an aspect of that higher consciousness uh, to other people.
0: Yes, and, and yeah, your own realization, you, you know, as I said earlier, your abilities in the outer world, your achievement are sooner or later anyway a reflection of your inner state in the short term and i 've seen this a person can carry you know a, carry a, a situation of service uh, even if they 're neglecting their inner development or they 're not quite there, perhaps they 've just seen it intellectually and they throw themselves into it for a while but they haven't realized it, they haven't felt it, they haven't really experienced it. Sooner or later, they'll be given the chance to, every opportunity to. But if they don't take it, uh, if such a person doesn't really do that, they'll drift off the path because they won't be motivated Mm -hmm. to, to stay there. And it's that critical. And, of course, another thing there'll be, there'll be much more power behind your actions if you're a more enlightened person Um, i mean you'll have certain inner powers which you can use in service and make a major difference you you know for example you'll be able to assess and understand and uh, psychically or intuitively pick up important things relating to your work the people you work with and various situations um, your concentration, your intuition will be better, usually your psychic abilities will be better they 're not necessarily a priority, but if they 're useful in service, then they are extremely valuable and they can be useful in service. So all those things will start to happen, um, and you know people won 't necessarily know it. Coming back to Erasmus, actually, Chrissy, I found this quote which i 'm sure you 've heard, but i didn 't know it was said by Erasmus in the 15th century, uh, a Dutch um, philosopher, said, in the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Have you ever heard that one?
2: No, I don't think I have.
0: It's, it's a kind of a jokey thing. In the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Oh. But when I look at it now, it has possibly a mystical meaning as well. The right. one-eyed man, of course, being the third eye.
2: Exactly
0: i'm just throwing that out just throwing that (laughs) out for no particular reason but but it's an example we do have examples don't we of in the West, people who've never heard of Kundalini, uh, never heard of chakras, never heard of the third eye, never been taught any of these things at all. It wasn't really accessible, really, I don't think, until the late in, in the West, till the late 19th century, when you had this move to get some of these teachings out. The Kriya Yoga brought out through Lahiri Mahasaya and uh, you know Sri Yukteswar, Yogananda, the, the move of the Sivananda came later. You had Vivekananda, Ramakrishna, his disciples, and then you had this move uh, behind uh, um, Sir John Woodruff and Rama Prasad in Theosophy. I mean, and of course, there was a guru. I mean, Sir John Woodruff had a guru, Shiva Chandra Vidyanava. Uh, those who are familiar with him uh, probably don't realize that that work or his works in general Uh, He was almost like a conduit. I mean, he he worked very hard. He was very scholarly. But the knowledge came from his guru and the disciples of his guru in India. So there was this move then to bring this kind of knowledge to the West. But before that, you just couldn't get it. And yet, in the 18th century, you've got Wordsworth writing this. And I quote, or would you like to read the Wordsworth lines, Chris? You read it beautifully, I'm sure. Well,
2: thank you. Um, This was written at Tinton Abbey in the 18th century by Sir William Wordsworth. The breath of this corporeal frame and even the motion of our human blood almost suspended. We are laid asleep in body and become a living soul. While with an eye made quiet by the power of harmony and the deep power of joy, we see into the life of things.
0: And that is a technical description, really, written as a poem of, of a somatic state. And Wordsworth in the 18th century had no access to this. It, it's quite similar in certain regards to what the master says about having a thin band of heat around the head to prevent rigor mortis setting. It's slightly different. But the motion of our human blood almost suspended. Uh, the breath of this corporeal, corporeal frame almost suspended that's one of the things that happens. The breath is almost suspended and the body is asleep. Dr. King has described it as being conscious death. Um, and then we become a living soul. And this line, with an eye, again, a reference to an eye, not the eyes, an eye made quiet by the power of harmony, we see into the life of things. It's exactly what happens when we start to look through the Christ center. And there is a difference. I think this is an interesting technical point and something that I think even, you know, um, novices like myself can start to tell. Uh, There's a difference between seeing through the third eye when it's the Christ center and seeing through the third eye when it's the solar plexus center or a reflection of the solar plexus center. It's, it's, It's a very different thing. And you can start to sense the solar plexus center being activated uh, when when you're having that kind of vision and when you're moving above that kind of vision you can sense it being deactivated detached from these are things that people below the adept stage can start to realize and experience exactly um and i
2: think it's You've given so many wonderful benefits that we don't really think about relating to the Kundalini. So thank you for that, because there's so much fear in the world right now. And when you look at the news, the world seems to be falling apart in so many ways. And then Mm -hmm. to focus on the things that you've talked about, we can begin to live our lives, I think, without fear, but with the confidence, the joy, the love, the inspiration, and an inner knowing that despite the appearance of the world around us, we can succeed. And we will succeed. Yeah. And so these yeah. are the wonderful positive qualities born from our service to others, to the world as a whole. I think it's very, very encouraging.
0: Yes, I I think so too, and I think it's, and, and you know, when you're on the journey of development, you will have certain experiences. Now in my case, I've had a lot of psychic experiences, channeling experiences, and so on. These are just nothing to an advanced person, of course, but they are signs along the way, and we'll all have them in different ways. And you will start to see the lights. They are there. You will start to hear the sounds. They are there, and you'll tell the difference between, you know, physical ringing in the ear and a psychic sound. There's a difference. Uh, You'll start to tell the difference between really starting to see the aura and just having, uh, as it were, a sort of visual photoelectric effect for example where it's things sort of come in and out you these things will start to happen and they can give you great encouragement they aren't the end of the road far from it but these things will happen along the way and getting back to the third eye Chrissy it's very very clearly referenced in the Bible right I don't know whether you want to read us that that, yeah sorry chapter 6 verse 22
2: The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light.
0: The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, (laughs) the whole body shall be full of light. It's clear reference to the third eye. It's something that some of us, uh, and I'm sure some listeners have experienced, something like this themselves. The light of the body is the eye. The eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light, at least to some degree. And it's not only in the book, of, I believe it's in another gospel as well. So it's something that Jesus definitely taught. So it is there in the West, um, but, you know, one comes back to the fact that it's, it is happening, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. What the difference will be when we're on the verge of a ship, at least, if not before, we will start to be in a position to deliberately activated and and that's when you know we really enter the initiation of uh, of uh, adeptship in its entirety raising it in its entirety to a very high psychic center
2: yeah some of the uh, early christian mystics talked about a lot about fire didn't they and uh, light they did and so on they so did there was one I particularly liked, Blaise Pascal, probably because of his name, mm. right? Uh, he was Yes, right. Into, uh, he was a scientist, he was an inventor, a mathematician, I think he was also yes. a theologian. He, when yes. he died, he left behind a scrap of paper and it said, certitude, feeling, joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, Those are the words he left behind. <laughs> mm. And he said, mm-hmm. from about half past ten at night until about half past midnight, fire so presumably that was a
0: fire of kundalini no doubt about fire it of i'd say
2: active mm. i love that certitude certitude so very very interesting and uh, and so and so forth richard do you did you want me to read an extract from a master's lecture in 1961
0: yes please. that condition. would be great yes because he he really knew you know and uh, you and I were doing we're, we're trying as best as we can here and we've had some experiences along the <laughs> way but we haven't got there but dr. King got there so yes would you please read what he had to say
2: yeah and some part of this reading he talks about the lower centers and the higher centers and he said here and there it's obviously pointing to them in the lecture but anyway I think you'll get the people will get the picture Um, Dr. George King in a lecture in Los Angeles in 1961 the average man is told here that kundalini rising in unforced fashion gives a balance to the centers can you do it by forcing it and still have a balance to the centers? oh yes, you can and there comes a day when you will control kundalini so you can rise it up and put it down again with your mind that's what every transmission, what I do Bring kundalini from a lower center to a higher center. Lodge it there, gain telepathic rapport, afterwards put it back again, and able to walk about and so on. It's simple. After you've done it a few hundred times, they say. (laughs) So for the ordinary man, though, he can become enlightened. And because when you rise this kundalini up here, when it begins to rise up here, these centers become activated. And they're like floodgates. This center here attracts the lower aspect of mind, which is a force outside the body. Only a low vibration of mind can enter in here. A higher vibration of mind can enter in here. But when we start talking about the heart and the throat and the Christ center, we're talking about the highest mental vibrations can enter. Because when Kundalini is lodged in there, these gates open and in comes this pressure of mind, which is an energy. Not only that, but the brain is activated in such a way that it can translate and understand this mind. That's the most important thing. And it is the power, the female power of kundalini in the base of the spine, or the serpent power, which gives this ability. Well, service is a way towards this kind of development, and it'll do it in an unforced, undangerous, natural fashion.
0: Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, We can't add to that, can we, Chrissy? That really does sum it up. What we're going to try and do in part two, though, is break it down and, and show why and how it must happen through service and the master of Theorists i believe has answered that if one goes below the surface of what he's saying in his transmission from free will to freedom we're going to take some extracts of that which are all about kundalini all about certain specific psychic centers and how exactly this does and must happen through service and it's very very encouraging because it's showing us that service is the way we don't need anything else um, you know, as, until we actually have to enter these high states and there's just certain things we'll have to do but essentially service is the mechanism it's the motor power it's as you say Chrissy turbocharged way if we're doing the most potent form of service that we can it will take us all the way and we'll try and talk about break it down. How does that happen? Why does that happen? And the Martyr Theorist does answer those questions. So that's part two. Uh, I think that wraps it up for today, Chrissy.
2: Yes. Thank you very much, Richard. Very, very exciting class coming up or radio show coming up in September, that's for sure. So nobody should miss that one.
0: And over to our producer, Nikki.
1: Wow, wow. (laughs) I'm looking forward to you already. So, I mean, thank you so much. That's fantastic spiritual food for us to take deep into our contemplations. And looking forward to September the 20th, when Richard and Chrissy will continue, Service Leads to Kundalini Heaven, Part 2. And remember, 12 Midnight GMT, September 3rd, held in the first hour of the third spiritual push for 2022. And once again... That shining temple of light, the giant spacecraft known as the third, third satellite, will be in orbit of this world. So, if you would like to find out more on the facts mentioned in the show, please visit org, And you can connect with Richard through his website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and also with Chrissy through her website, astrologycity.com. So, we hope you enjoyed the show. Look forward to your company next month, and thank you so much for listening.